than a little bit of ranting. I'm hoping that you all have some questions. Otherwise, I might just go and go and go for a while. We'll see what happens here. Allow time for some people to get in. Please, please don't hesitate to bring me your questions if you've got them. I'm trying to get the live up here. There we go. So I can make sure I don't miss any questions. And I will soon be ready. All right. Got you here. Got you here. Got you everywhere I can I can get you, I think. Everyone's good? Cool. All right. <clears throat> this is going to be a bit of a doozy. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com. Whatever you do, make sure you use that promo code DNVR20. You'll get 20% off your entire order. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be ranting for a little while. Hopefully, there's a lot of people that come in here on the Periscope or the Facebook Live that have some questions that can derail this. And here's part of the reason why. I don't want to spend too much time to get to the very first one here. At Medrano asks, any significant moves besides listening to trade offers for Nolan Arenado with a big eye rolly emoji? Um... I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but if I have to, I will spend a lot of time on the meta conversation because I think it's important. I don't want to give too much credence to any of this, and part of me feels like the more we talk about it locally, the more it's justified nationally that this is a conversation at all. I'll begin with this. What bemuses me about the conversation is, and this has happened to Jeff Breidich a couple of times, there's plenty of fair criticisms to make of Jeff Breidich, but he has these kind of stock answers for certain questions. One of them that he's gotten in trouble with before that he gave 20 times and no one batted an eye at, and then on the 21st time everyone freaked out about was when he talked about how young players have to go through a certain amount of proving themselves before they're just handed starting positions in the big leagues. This was kind of his stock answer for years and years. It was his answer when Trevor Story was coming up into the system. But when the Rockies were on the brink of maybe not making the postseason in 2017, when they had been 20 games over 500. And he made similar comments about not starting Ryan McMahon over Ian Desmond. It suddenly became, oh, the Rockies philosophy is minor leaguers have to prove themselves and veterans don't. When, you know, that was never really the position. They've just always kind of had this particular philosophy. Like it, love it, hate it. It's been what it's been. And you can't pick and choose when to make an issue of it. And that's exactly what's going on right now with Nolan Arenado. He has literally, with this exact same player, and with several other players, done this same thing. People call. Say, what would it take to get Nolan Arenado? What he never says is, not interested. What he says is, what are you offering? 
And then he listens and he goes, no, thank you. And he hangs up the phone. That's as long as that goes. He's got to listen. He's had this policy, again, forever. This has always been Jeff Breidich's policy. Like it, love it, hate it. He listens to the offer. And he says, we always have to be listening just in case to everything, right? Uh, he, of course, isn't a guy who's completely caught like a deer in headlights by the notion of trading a franchise player. He did it six months into his tenure as a GM. So he's given this same answer even about Nolan Arenado in the past. The difference is in the timing. Right now, Rockies fans are, understandably, not feeling great. One might even say that, in general, pretty sensitive right now. And after a 71-win season, there's an understandable level of fear that it's all falling apart and that the Rockies are going to do something stupid, uh, either by not building at all, which to some degree looks like they may be doing here, or not building very much. I, I don't want to be disrespectful of Jose Mujica and Tyler Kinley, but you know, let's be real about the relative nature of those moves. <clears throat> Excuse me, but they're not going to trade Nolan Arenado. They're they're no more likely of trading Nolan Arenado right now than they were when this stuff has come up before. There's nothing more to what has been said than any other time before this. So I don't want anybody out there who's listening and, and maybe hasn't followed this on Twitter as I've done my best to debunk it that's very concerned right now that the Rockies might be on the outs with Nolan Arenado or he might be on the outs with them or they might be thinking about trading him because they didn't immediately hang up. And all of these articles... And again, if someone wants to get me on to the baseball diamond, please, I'll probably come back to this a couple of times. But even the articles discussing this that have the quote-unquote sources, the first or second line in each one of them is, there's almost no chance the Rockies actually trade Nolan Arenado. It's just, you know, they, they didn't immediately say no. They never immediately say no. This is not news. This is not likely to happen. This is incredibly unlikely to happen. And the biggest frustration of it for me is on behalf of all of you, quite frankly, because they don't care that they just gave a panic attack to hundreds, if not thousands of Rockies fans. They do not care because there's millions of fans in New York and LA and Chicago who get to be excited about this kind of stuff. So they don't, they do not care that a lot of people out here aren't going to double check, are going to run with it because it's interesting, are going to use it for talk bait. And again, that's part of why I didn't want to talk too much about it because I'm falling into that exact trap. But I also want to call this out in particular for what it is. They do not care about you. And they're fine sending the majority of a fan base into panic mode over nothing. And so I hope, you know, not too many people uh, fall into it. And, and, and I hope people recognize 
that it's the exact same discussion that was going on when people thought he was never going to sign the extension in the first place. They don't want him here. (laughs) Nolan, on the other hand, he gets a vote in all of this. And I know it's mind-boggling to a lot of people out there, especially even Rockies fans right now. And that's what's bringing this whole thing to a head because it's an easy sell to Rockies fans right now that Nolan Arenado is just as mad at the team as they are. And so, of course, he's going to want to leave. That is not the situation. No. Two more years of this, and that could become the situation. But that's people projecting 300 games we've got to play before we even really start to get into that conversation. Let's play some baseball. Let's see how stuff turns out. Let's see what happens with Ryan McMahon and if David Dahl can stay healthy and if Kyle Freeland can bounce back. And I know that's a lot of ifs. So if they don't address this at that point, the notion that the Rockies would punt on this version of the team now and not even give it a chance not even take a look when it costs them nothing. It costs them nothing to just have a look, play some baseball. You got to play the games. I know there are a lot of people who are convinced that no matter what, the Rockies are just going to be terrible, but you do have to play the baseball games. And if they're terrible through the first couple of months, yeah, I'll start to change my tune quite a bit. There will be an interesting conversation to be had. But Nolan Arenado is not going to be worth less in June than he is right now. So let's just, you know, put that aside for a minute. Uh, I'll try to put that aside for a minute as well. But it is frustrating, like I said, from a meta standpoint, just how much of this has taken hold locally. Because it is mostly driven by a national audience and national writers and reporters who like to have fun discussing these things and don't care at all about... No, I'll use the word. I'll I'll use the word. In many ways, it is disrespectful uh, to the fan base for this stuff to be so constantly... uh, you know, and I'll even go beyond the Colorado Rockies. This is not the only team this happens with. In an offseason where the Yankees are now spending more on two players than the Baltimore Orioles are going to spend on their entire team. This is a problem for baseball. And the national notion that you don't count unless you play for one of basically five teams is absurd and it's insulting. So yes, I am insulted by it on your behalf and on my behalf, but because that's what gets me the most about it is they don't care about your team or your fandom or your baseball. They don't think it's real. They don't think it counts. They don't think Larry Walker belongs in the Hall of Fame, but Derek Jeter should get the only vote on some ballots. They don't think that Nolan Arenado is an MVP or maybe even the best third baseman in the National League, despite the fact that he's probably the best third baseman who ever lived. And this is all baked into that. It's why they can speculate on John Gray and Nolan Arenado going to other teams. It is nonsense. So yes, I'm riled up about it. And I've given myself some time to not get riled up about it. Jakeda 
I hope I said that correctly, saying here on the Periscope, MLB wants to be the NBA so bad. This would be terrible. Baseball is a more localized game. It's more about regional love and, and devotion than the other sports. Maybe not football, I guess. But but even with fantasy football, I don't know. that. Let me back off of that claim for just a minute because I'm probably not qualified to say something like that about the other sports. But the the regional nature of baseball is very important to the game. Extremely important to the game. And this idea that, again, it's only real if it's Boston, New York, Chicago, L.A., maybe Houston now, but that's a whole giant dark cloud hanging over that organization. No idea what the future of that franchise is going to look like right now. It is. A lot of people should be, and not just Rockies fans. Like this, It shouldn't be this way. That you should only be allowed to be an all-time great player and play in one of a handful of markets because those are the only teams that can afford to stay constantly competitive in the game of baseball. The Royals won a World Series and went to another in the past decade. They kind of had to go all out to do it. They're paying the price for it now. And that's what happens to everyone who's not the Yankees. That's the best case scenario for everyone who's not the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Dodgers. I'm going to answer a few questions. I'm going to cool off for a minute. We'll come back into this stuff. Uh, Cade, who was on our conversation uh, with Manny last week, wants to know uh, what was the point of signing Drew Butera again? And at uh, Prisonel answers, there's no uh, bad minor league signing, so I'm okay with it. And I, and I would generally agree with that. I, I do expect Butera to be uh, the third string catcher veteran that they stash in AAA in case of emergencies and to work with young pitchers. And I think that's generally a, a pretty good place for him. Again, this is a timing thing. Uh, if they had already signed another catcher, I don't think anyone would be at all concerned about the Butera thing, but they haven't yet. Um, so now if they don't, I'll be looking a little sideways at that as well. But I suspect the plans for him are to deal with the young staff and, and to help the next generation of guys there in AAA. <coughs> Mile High Fever wants to know, when are we going to re-sign Ionetta? Not going to happen. Uh, just, that's not going to happen. Um, RWMT says, I believe the lack of movement at winter meetings uh, from a losing team will make Nolan want out. And, and again, I would just remind people, there's a lot more. I know it feels eminent, but there are actually two seasons before he can become a free agent if it if he really decides that he wants to leave and there's just a lot there's a lot more of an issue it's a more complicated issue than i think a lot of people realize in particular when it comes to uh, the labor negotiations i think it's going to be very very difficult under a new cba for nolan arenado to at that age make more money than the rockies original contract was going to pay him and I don't think the players' union is going to let him take a cut. So he's going to not only have to want to leave, he's going to have to really, 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 really want to get out. And one thing that's really undersold in this whole conversation, Nolan Arenado loves Colorado. And I'm going to say that two or three more times so that people 
understand it because it's true. Nolan Arenado loves Colorado. He loves playing in Colorado. He loves being a Rocky. And he wants to be the greatest Rocky of all time. And if he stays here, even for just a little while longer, he's going to be. I, I think sometimes, you know, we all tend to get a little recency bias, a little blinders, a little focused on what's going on right now, what we think is going to happen in the exact immediate future. But it, it's going to take, I think, far more factors coming together than most people realize for Nolan Arenado to leave. It's not just the team being bad. Like five or six other things would have to go against them for him to leave. So either way, it's not something worth worrying about right now. Uh, It's just not something that they can really do anything about. Certainly, like I've said, at least you've got to play some baseball games, see what happens. You come around to the trade deadline If you look like you are this awful team that a lot of people think they're going to be, you make the move then. Uh, Let's just, you know, let's let's play some baseball is my feeling on that particular subject. Hey, I want to take a second here to remind everybody that we support local business because we are a local business. And so we're excited to tell you about our friends over at Denver Rubber Company. And might not be quite what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, mold rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that could cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes all of it, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. I've also, of course, got to give a shout out to one of our great new friends, Mile High Green Cross. You guys, these guys are awesome. They've got award-winning products, and you can check out this year's Cannabis Cup winners when you head to their website. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They pride themselves on their customer service, and trust me, it shows. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention they have Everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 pre-pack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals. That's five cartridges for a hundred bucks. Mile High Green Cross offers out-the-door pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. And if you don't have cash, that's not even a problem because at Mile High Green Cross, they'll take hyper. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary. On average, it's only nine minutes from the time you walk in to the time you walk out. That's really important for all of us in these modern hectic and crazy lifestyles. They are informative. They're speedy. So head downtown today and check out Mile High Green Cross. They are conveniently located on 9th and Broadway, and they also offer parking in the back. 
make sure to tell them who sent you. All right, let's get back into it here. I did want to talk about one other thing that came out of the winter meetings that I'm pretty frustrated by that might turn into another rant here very quickly. I might be a little bit more measured in this because I should read the full report. And so I'll just say this. I'm very disappointed by what I'm hearing so far about their official answer to the quote-unquote juiced baseball dilemma. And I think part of it is over that term. Uh, They released a report that said uh, basically 40% of the, now, they admit there was like a change in, in the way the ball was flying, right? The, the home run, all this stuff. So, like, why was that the case? And the answer was 40% of that is change in player behavior. Guys are trying to launch the ball more. The ball's coming in hotter. Pitchers are pitching up. Okay. The other 60%, they said, comes mostly not because the ball was juiced, not because there's anything different about the inside of the baseball, but because the seams were different which is uh, an interesting semantic position to take. Uh, No one was ever suggesting that there's actual juice inside of the baseball. Now, there were some thoughts that maybe it's a bit rounder, more more perfectly spherical, a tighter core. Uh, Some of these conversations were going on. But far and wide, the biggest one that pitchers talked to us about and that seemed to be at issue was the difference in the seams on the ball that they're much more pushed down into the baseball. I've actually got one and I, and it's very easy to notice how much further down they are. So again, I need to read the entire report, but essentially they kind of in their Headlines and main takeaways made it sound like, well, it wasn't really the baseballs. It was a combination of players doing something different. And, and I guess the seams were a bit different, but 60% is still actually a big deal. That That's the majority, even if I'm doing my math correctly. And the biggest problem with it was it undercuts the other major takeaway, which was the, the big pull quote from Rob Manfred coming out of this which was, well, you know, yeah, okay, so the baseballs were different, but we don't really need to do anything about it because everyone uses the same ball. But that's not true. That's the entire issue. And in fact, if you're admitting that it's the seams that are the problem, that was the thing that was most inconsistent. That's why you saw guys like Garrett Cole turning around and, excuse me, uh, throwing the ball back to the umpire to get a new one. And that's why we saw so many balls getting skipped to the backstop in warm-ups. It was an inconsistency of the scene. Sometimes you felt like you could get a grip, you were going to get a certain amount of tilt on a cutter or a curveball or a slider and the next ball it was different and that's going to affect different people differently and that's super frustrating to hear the commissioner come out and say 
Well, same ball, so it affects everybody the same. Because, and again, this ties back into the last issue. They don't think about Colorado when they think about this stuff. The idea that it impacts everybody the same. Balderdash. Come pitch out here and tell me that one time of hanging your slider or your cutter or your curveball because you happen to get a ball whose seams were pushed down a little bit more than the last one you got. Come tell these guys that it's all the same. Who already have to deal with all the insane stuff that apparently you all agree happens at Coors Field. It's so crazy out here. Larry Walker can't get in the Hall of Fame and Nolan Arenado should leave immediately. But apparently it's not crazy enough out here that a change in the way the baseball moves out of the pitcher's hand is not a big deal, not a problem that needs to be solved or fixed. Now, here's the other thing. I think this also may be a bit of a moot point. Like I said, I'm not going to get too frustrated by it because I also have a conspiracy theory for you all. I think to whatever issue they're going to fix the problem, they fixed it. And it's not maybe the absolute best ideal in my mind solution, but I do think the reason we saw things calm down in the postseason is because they found a way to make sure that most of the baseballs now more consistently have the seams that are risen up farther from the ball, which gives the pitcher a lot more control. Here's what I don't know, and here's what makes a lot of these conversations about the Rockies so frustrating. How much of that had to do with what happened to Kyle Freeland and Wade Davis? Those are freak things. Something that's sort of, you know, it, it, it's, it's a pet peeve of mine because it's it depends on your interpretation of the word, but I've heard a couple of people say, you know, they just got a ton of regression out of Kyle Freeland and Wade Davis. And like in my mind, that's not regression, right? They, they didn't regress back to their career normals. They had by far the worst seasons of their careers, so much so that they're obvious outliers. Um, there were a, a handful of other players who had that issue as well. Our man Marquez stopped throwing his slider. If he gets his slider back because they're using the postseason baseball and not that regular season baseball, I mean, it is mind-boggling the kind of impact that this can have. And so I, I truly hope, I, this is one of those things where I have a conspiracy theory, but I actually hope it's right uh, because I, I think it would be better. Uh, I think if I'm reading just the flight of the ball and the control of the pitchers right, and I'm, I gotta be straight with all of you. I've read all the science, uh, but at, at the end of this thing, I'm using my own two eyes and saying, I think they tamped it down a bit. I think we're going to see a bit more regular baseball in 2020. And I think that that's great news for the Colorado Rockies, who are the team who most needs to control the chaos. And they were completely incapable of controlling the chaos in 2019. And there was a lot of chaos. And a more normalized season 
is going to do wonders for this team. So, while ultimately I feel like, man, the league not really taking full culpability here and also kind of issuing contradictory statements. It wasn't really the ball, so it kind of was, but it's not what you think. It's the seams, not the ball itself. But we're not going to do anything about it because everybody does use the same ball, but they clearly already did something about it. So, I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. I I was wishing the report would be more thorough, uh, but like I said, I do need to read the whole thing. Maybe I'll come out and say, you know, the headlines were bad. The main takeaways you know, were, could have been better, but ultimately the report is great. And so I'll just have to leave that conversation there for now. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up here and do further Q and a and analysis on what I think the Rockies are up to. And all of that, as we move forward here, get back into some of my individual player discussions that I think have been pretty interesting to go through. Probably won't do the whole team, but I think we'll be able to do at least the whole, what at least I consider to be the core. So thank you all for hanging around and asking these questions today. I hope you'll be around for future Q&As, and hopefully they will be on uh, topics that are a little bit less frustrating. Um, So I hope that was as cathartic for you as it was for me. That might have have been one of the few podcasts that's more for my catharsis than for yours, but um, I, I do feel like there are a lot of Rockies fans out there who are probably feeling the same way, uh, very frustrated by all of this. And I, I wanted to, if I may, um, speak for them for a minute. So thank you all for following along. Hopefully you're following on social media, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Uh, Remember, we do have Instagram and YouTube now, so if you use those, check them out. There's going to be a ton of awesome content that you're only going to be able to get if you're checking us out on YouTube and Instagram, uh, including some stuff that Patrick Lyons did live from winter meetings so make sure that you're you're up to date on all of that remember that you can always give us a like share and subscribe on facebook whatever podcast app you're using remember to subscribe to the denver sports podcast which is a different thing and you can get all kinds of conversation about our end of decade content another thing i want to do a rocky specific podcast about looking back at the decade that was but i want to make sure i can do that alongside patrick lyons and maybe a couple of other people to get their insights as well so thank you all so much for continuing to be absolutely awesome i promise you i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman and until next time i will see you at the ballpark What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it. 
and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern.